Welcome to the Tango Juliet Foxtrot podcast. My name is Ian Donnelly. There hasn't been a whole lot to laugh about in British policing for quite a few years now. This podcast is all about what it was really like to be in the British police for the last 30 years. In the podcast, I'll talk about all the different jobs that I did, and I'll interview people who also did some really interesting things. I'll give you my thoughts about what's been going on recently in the news to help you understand how it all works. Spoiler alert, it's not like it is on the telly. This podcast is the real deal. I'm going to be discussing some quite disturbing things from time to time, so listener caution is advised. There may also be a bit of swearing, so best to keep the kids out of the room. Everything I say and have written comes out of a place of great love for British policing. You may not agree with it all, and that's okay. But all I ask is that you listen with an open mind, and if you go away feeling that you know a bit more about what policing is really all about, and perhaps have a bit more empathy for police officers, then I've succeeded. So, here we go. I pressed two buttons. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Look at that. I can see a chin now. There you go. I can see a face. Look at that. Amazing. All right. All right. <laughs> oh, bless you. It's, it's good to have a technical it's person nice, around. It's nice to have someone under the age of 80 in the room. <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> yeah, he's gone now. So if anything goes wrong, we're in trouble. <laughs> How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. good. Um, in sunny Alaska. My God. Tell you what, I'm properly globetrotting doing this podcast. I had my yeah. last guest. My last guest was in uh, Alberta, um, ah. which, is, which is probably... Um, I was going to say probably close to you, but it's probably not. It's probably about as close to you as as Turkey is to me, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's not very close. But, uh, <laughs> so it's it's very very wild up here. Yeah. So what on earth brought you to Alaska then? Uh, second marriage. I was a war bride. She was oh. in the U.S. Air Force. Oh and, right. Okay. Uh, we, we met in London, and uh, it all went downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> she dragged you out to Alaska. Did you realise you yeah, went to Alaska? She did. She probably drugged you. Did you wake up on a plane somewhere? Yeah, and... <laughs> we, we went. We went to Illinois first, which is pretty damned awful. Um, <laughs> uh, Illinois first. I, I basically that was a tax break for her. Right. Okay. If she, and, could, if she married me, she get extra, extra and, tax allowance. So. And are you in the are you in the wilds of Alaska, or are you in a sort of a relatively built up part? We're in the city of Wasilla, right. which is where Sarah Palin lives. Right, okay. Um, fortunately, she doesn't live near us. Something of an woods, intellectual giant. But it's not going to be woods for very long. Oh, gosh. Oh, and, she's a clever girl. Yeah, she's loved you, up here. She's really you, loved up here. And do you, um, do you wrestle with grizzly bears and do things like that? Uh, no, we have... Uh, we have a very large uh, mother and father moose that wander through our back garden at times right and um, they've just I'm just had, the mother's just had a very dangerous actually they don't look it well they do look it but. so no we're, we're, you, we're managing not to not. just uh just bear with me one minute dave um i'm just going to tell my kids because yeah. they've got a habit of going on streaming things which kills the internet so let me just go and physically wrestle <laughs> wrestle these devices out of their cold dead hands one second I'll okay just, 
I'll be back in a minute. Yeah, don't forget I used to deal with child abuse. There we go, mission accomplished. Um, so that's another of the joys of yeah, trying, trying to do podcasts with two kids in the uh, two kids in the house who are both simultaneously streaming some American shit on YouTube. Yeah. Um, which I hold you personally responsible for, as you are now living in the in the states. So. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks. <laughs> thanks for so, that. You holding me responsible for the music or for YouTube? All of it, all of it. So, <laughs> I'll, I'll take YouTube. <laughs> um, uh, listen, Dave. Uh, thank you ever so much for taking time out of your uh, day to speak to me on the TJF podcast. Um, and uh, as I've explained to you and to the listeners, I'm, I'm, I want to talk about uh, pedophiles and sex offenders. So do you want to just introduce yourself and who you are and why um, you have something to useful to talk about? Uh, sure. Um, my name is Dave Flanagan. Um, I joined the job in 1969 oh, bloody hell. from the cadets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was four years old. And went to Nottingham. Oh, thank you. Okay. Well, that's the end, is it? <laughs> <laughs> <That was. laughs> you know how to get people to relax. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I joined the job in 69 from the cadets. Um, went to Notting Hill, of all places. Right. Um, great place to work. Uh-huh. Um, how did I get into doing... Uh, paedophilia and, and pornography and all the all the good stuff well i i went out on vice at, at notting hill and i was doing vice right. uh, for several years and then okay. the guy that i was working with went to what was then the obscene publications branch right at uh, at the yard uh-huh. um it was not long after, not long after it went from the cid to the uniform branch for, right. for things people probably know about um, so he went up there, and uh, I followed him up there eventually in uh, eighty-five, I suppose eighty-five. Yeah, right. Okay. So um, I think this is brilliant because what I want to do is kind of like chart something of a a bit of a history of how the police have dealt with all of this kind of stuff. Um, and as I said to you before, I'm going to be speaking to some people who dealt with this stuff as well as as, as I did as well. Um, right up to sort of relatively recently. So, so how long were you involved in that side of things, kind of on and off? Then, well, having uh, having moved up to the yard from uh, from Notting Hill, I did was supposed to be a two year posting. I did three years, mm. um, and in that time, we were there was a big push by many people, including the branch uh, at the yard to get the law on child pornography changed. So the law on child pornography changed in 1988. Right. Um, I'd just left the branch by then, but I got Mm -hmm. headhunted to go back. And we started to deal with, well, when I went back, there were, uh, I think, 12 people in the office altogether. Right. uh, Six of whom were dealing with adult pornography and six dealing with child pornography. Right. Uh, I was one of the six dealing with child pornography. Right, because up up till then, uh, people probably don't realise that we used to seize material from on raids, and mm. if it wasn't uh, obscene, I mean, if there was no sex, if it was just just if it was indecent photographs of children, we were in a position where we actually theoretically had to give them back. Right. So theoretically, you're seizing 
seizing images of, of yeah. child abuse. Yeah, uh, yeah, and because the, there was no law dealing with it, we had to yeah. give them back. Well, theoretically, yeah. give them back. Um, yeah. We 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 usually got people sign the way their rights to, but uh, so okay. they they changed the law. Suffice it to say, made uh, child pornography a, a possession yeah. offence, which is the start of everything that happened. Really, yeah. So so let's go let's go right back then um, to your days working in Vice. Um, so. What does that actually mean? Because um, obviously I think I know what that means, but I'm, I'd be lying if I said that I fully understood. So what was what was the job of a vice officer back in those days before you um, went into the obscene publication side of things? Basically, we were dealing with uh, brothels, disorderly houses um, on theoretically Notting Hill's ground, but it, it, uh, it moved around a bit. So we were all over London, which we shouldn't have been, but we were. Um, so we, we were dealing with uh, not street prostitution. That was there were there were there were um, prostitute squads for that. So we were dealing with the more organised stuff. Um, people living on the earnings of prostitution. Right. People controlling prostitutes. That sort of thing. Right. Was your focus on the people who were actually sort of benefiting, profiting from it, or was it on the prostitutes themselves, or was it kind of both? Oh no no no. It, it, it was on the people that were making the money out of it. I mean, right. the, the, the prostitutes. I mean, if we if we did a a brothel job, um, we wouldn't arrest the prostitutes. I mean, they were, you know, sort of Vulnerable. superfluous in a way. They were, yeah. they were just yeah. I mean, mostly. I mean, I always found them, most of them very nice people. Very very nice to talk to. Very easy to deal with. Yeah, so we yeah. were dealing with the people who were. Controlling the prostitutes or living on the earnings of their prostitution. Okay, and back in and back in those days, obviously the the area of prostitution has changed, hasn't it? So an awful lot of young women are trafficked into uh, all over the world, aren't they? And so talking about the UK, you've got a lot of young women trafficked uh, into yeah. UK from Eastern Europe and Romania and places like that. I mean, how, what what did the profile of prostitution look like back in those days? Uh, there were, I mean. Before the EU, or yeah, before Britain joined the EU, really. Um, so it was <laughs> homegrown, if you like, homegrown right. girls who were uh, who were finding a way to earn a living. Okay, and were most uh, of them doing? Were most of them doing it? Sort of quite quite happy to do it, or were they being kind of coerced into doing it? I never, in all the jobs I did, I didn't ever meet a girl that had been coerced into it or forced into it. Right. In Six or seven years. I mean, that's changed enormously now, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but but no, you know, they were they used to be called happy hookers back in the day. There was that famous book written about them. Yeah, they were they were, as I say, ordinary ordinary people doing a slightly unordinary, uh, slightly out of the ordinary job, but nice yeah. people and and not generally too yeah. pressured. And what was the, the relationship with them and, and the police? Was it reasonably sort of positive? It wasn't sort of antagonistic. With most of them, it was it was positive. I mean, yeah. it was kind of you know we were thinking we were saying to them, "Well, you're doing your job," and they're saying, "Well, okay, you're doing yours." You know, this, yeah, yeah. Is, this is okay. Mm -hmm. um, and it started to change towards towards the end of that. We we at Notting Hill we got a reputation for um, well for being too efficient, to be honest. Um, right. And we started to we started to meet up with people that were trying to stitch us up. Right. So it it changed it changed then. So right. we were, you know, that was that was back in the day. 
So, so moving to the obscene publication squad. So, what was the what was the kind of remit, I suppose, of the obscene publication squad back in in those days when you went there? It was dealing with uh, large scale uh, producers and uh, marketers of, of pornography. Okay. But I mean, you know, pornography is has changed. Back in when I went up there in '85, we were see, we were seizing huge numbers of of what is, is, would now be regarded as totally soft core magazines. Right, but it yeah, was yeah. an offence still against the Obscene Publications Act. Uh, so we were dealing with huge numbers of those, and and videos were just coming into well not into being, but maybe video pornography was becoming extremely popular. Right. So we we then so that's moved the VH, towards VH, the VHS tips. Are we talking about this the VHS era? We're talking about yeah, VHS and, and Betamax. Um, yeah. Back in the day when people were starting to get um, home video, home um, video machines. Yeah. Um, so that that became vogue then, and we moved from large seizures of large seizures of magazines to uh, targeting producers of uh, of video porn. Right. Okay. Um, and was that again? Was that sort of UK, UK sort of produced stuff, or was this coming in from abroad? No, this, this. Well, some of the some of the stuff we were seizing that people were selling, or a lot of it was 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 Dutch, German, right. um, whatever. But there was there was homemade yeah. uh, pornography going around, but not not too much of it. Yeah, so, yeah. so we were dealing with we were dealing with Britons making money off Dutch and German whatever pornography. Right. So would it be fair to say then that the stuff that you were routinely seizing and dealing with is stuff that you could just find quite, you know, openly on the internet now without any effort whatsoever? Was it sort of, are we talking about stuff that if if I was to look at it now, would I be absolutely horrified or would I be thinking, well, that's just kind of stuff you get on the internet? Um, most of it, I think, stuff that you can get on the internet now, I mean, Pornhub and whatever are having their problems yeah. at the moment. but. Um... Most of it used to, you would have, was stuff that you would now get on the internet, but occasionally we were finding uh, um, um, some extreme, really extreme stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, of course, the, the early eighties was the time when uh, the attorney general was dealing with the extreme violence videos, um, drill a killer, and that and that sort of thing. They were right. prescribed then. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that sort of thing. Nowadays, well, yeah, you can find anything on the internet, yeah, um, yeah. which is horrifying. Yeah, yeah. So, so as you sort of worked in this world for, for sort of longer over that period of time, did you find that your focus shifted away because of the sort of normalization of? I suppose did you presumably you find that your focus shifted away from the stuff that, like we said, you'd probably find on the internet today towards the more extreme and illegal stuff. How did that sort of happen? Well, as I, as I say, there, there was a sort of a sort of revelation in the police that the, the child porn was all over the place, uh, as well as adult porn. So when I when I went back up to the branch in '88, as I say, half the branch was dealing with adult pornography, and half of us were dealing with child pornography. So there was a move always towards mm. dealing with mm. towards dealing with more extreme um, more extreme pornography. Uh, and with child pornography, I mean, when I was up there, um, Operation Spanner, which I'm, you're probably aware of, right? Uh, Operation. 
Sorry, spanner. Spanner, right. No, I'm spanner. not actually. What was that? Okay, well, some videos were seized um, of guys, all guy on guy, uh, mm. but they were extreme. I mean, there was blood and snot everywhere. And oh, it, was this was this the was one a, that went to court and it was a test case yeah. about, about, about the notion of consent when it comes to extreme sexual yeah. practices? Yes, I do yeah. remember that, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, people were charged with, serious assaults even though the the other person was was consenting so we're talking you about know, that men, men who were literally hammering nails into each other's um you know privates and nailing them to the tables and all this kind of stuff yeah wasn't it? yeah I, I yeah i won't go into the whole yeah, gamut yeah. of uh what they were up to but that were, we dealt with that up there things things were changing i mean it was the, the por pornography was becoming more uh, how can I say? Well, yeah, more, more hardcore. I mean, there's no right. no hardcore and softcore definition of pornography, but it was becoming <laughs> hardcore. Uh, and as I say, more and more, there were children. We were we were seizing mm. images of children. Yeah. So we were we were perforce moving from yeah. dealing with basically consensual yeah uh, pornography to dealing with child abuse. Yeah, yeah. So to I just mean, so just for the just for the record, and it's one thing that um, certainly gets a lot of sort of I don't know commentary now is that is that the, the the states in the states they tend to still refer to it, don't they, as child pornography, whereas in the UK um, there is very much a sort of a view, and which I I've got to say I agree with that it's they talk about child abuse imagery as opposed to yeah. child pornography because pornography su suggests a sort of like a, well yeah I mean I, I a titillating to... kind of you know yeah. thing was actually it's children being sexually abused isn't it yeah I yeah I absolutely I mean I used to to do all the training for the branch um, and I, I was going around to other police forces to social workers all over the place mm -hmm. and saying look. We, we, and I'm doing it myself now. I use child pornography, and I used to say it's a, that's a throwaway term. It sounds like, you know, buying lollipops at the local store. This is not, this is not softcore nonsense. This mm. is a permanent record of, of yeah. serious child abuse. Yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so 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 just just to kind of because I know that when people listen to this. Um, there will be people messaging me saying it's not pornography, it's it's child abuse, and I and I, I just want to I just suppose just for the record I just want to say I, I know that it is yeah um, okay but, but, yeah but there is but there is a kind of a cultural thing the Yanks still tend to refer to it as child pornography, don't they? They do, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But, and I mean, um, I mean, it is pornography. I mean, by the definition definition of pornography, yeah, um, it's it's pornography. Yeah, uh, yeah. but it, but it, as you say, you rightly say it's. Mm. Uh, I mean, some of the abuses, the worst abuse. Yeah. yeah. And, so and yet we still use the term child porn, which is terrible. Yeah. Really. yeah. So um, then we get the internet raising its ugly head, don't we? Um, so. Just so we get the chronology right, so you you you're in the obscene publication squad. You go back, spend spend a bit of time doing sort of other policey kind of things, and then you say you came back to what then became known as the paedophile unit. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It sort of morphed from uh, obscene publications branch, and we 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 gradually became became uh, the paedophile unit. Yeah, which is um, which I suppose which I suppose says something, doesn't it? It kind of acknowledges that. Um, you know, sort of social norms have changed somewhat, 
that um, pornography has kind of gone into the mainstream, but but yet sexual abuse of children um, and other sort of extreme pornography yeah. is is really the threat then, isn't it? Yeah, it is the threat. I mean, are, the question is, are people uh, depraved and corrupted by extreme pornography, which is, you know, the the the, the, uh, the law, depraved and corrupted, mostly. Um, so yeah, the, moving on to that, that's that's some nasty stuff to get off the streets. And yeah. child pornography, yeah, is a is an image that you know. I mean, we were seizing images from probably Dutch children who mm. were by the time we were seizing the images, they were mm. probably adults if they survived it. Right. Um, so you, you've got a two-year-old girl on video being abused, mm-hmm. um, and somewhere there's a 22-year-old, yeah, probably very screwed up, yeah, young lady. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So yeah. It, yeah, I mean, yeah, a permanent so, record of abuse. So um, I suppose just to sort of think about what the focus is was for the police back in those days. So if I sort of, if it might be easier if I describe what the focus is for the police today, and then to sort of contrast that with what you were doing back in the day. So, so today, the there are a number of things, I suppose. One is to uh, identify uh, children who are being, I suppose the priority would be to identify children who are being abused, kind of currently being abused, to identify mm. who they are, where they are, and to stop that from happening, to safeguard them and to identify their abusers, etc. And there's a lot of work yeah. that go, goes into doing that, as you know. Um, and then there's 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 the investigation of those individuals who are consuming that material, perhaps manufacturing as well, distributing it amongst themselves, distributing it maybe for mm. com- commercial gain. So I suppose all of those activities I've just described are kind of the kind of the current, and there's others as well, but there's, that's kind of the current oh, yeah. Fo- yeah, yeah, yeah. focus for policing. But back in the day when you were doing it, what was the kind of focus of what were you trying to achieve? What was the what was the priority? Well, we moved it. Uh, I mean, I, I think um, the Obscene Publications Branch and the Pedophile Squad in the early days moved things on. It was because of work that was done up at Scotland Yard that things have moved the way they were going. We 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 quite quickly moved we would still try to seize child pornography obviously but mm. but the focus became well who is the child is there a child that we can save is there a child that's being currently abused um mm. and can we get evidence from the from the video of the abuser and and deal right. with the abuser so that that was that was the target not the not the image itself but yeah. but what the image was about yeah, yeah. So yeah. we 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 move quickly onto that. Okay. Um, uh, and in terms of in terms of the sort of what to what extent um, are we would you say that the internet was an issue back in the, 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 this period of time that you're describing? Um, not a not a great issue at all. Uh, as far uh, as far, I'm, I'm, I'm technically incompetent, as you mm. realised from earlier on. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> So we didn't deal with we didn't deal with the internet very much. So where was we, this we stuff? One... Where was where was this stuff coming from then? What was it? It was, yeah, in, well, hard, it, it was in hard copy, was it? Yeah, yeah. A lot of it was a lot of it was was smuggled in. Or, yeah, we arrested a couple of tube drivers who were smuggling tapes in from 
Amsterdam. Right. Um, child abuse tapes. Um, so you had to try pretty. If you if that was your if that was your thing, um, you would have had to to work pretty hard at getting your hands on this stuff. Then I I suspect. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, the, the, to find the. The terminology is difficult here. To 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 to, to find the uh, the pure images of what you would call commercial child pornography, or you could mm-hmm. call to commercial child pornography, that wasn't too hard. Mm-hmm. But to, but but that, that that was and that was worth doing. But it was also the target was let's you know we must try and find homemade child pornography, the child, child abuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, taste, which we started to. Yeah, um, that was that was kind of the kind of the beginning of it, I think. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe and, other people would think different. Yeah. And were you working in that arena during the time when the internet did start kind of generating a lot of this stuff? Yeah, well, it's. I mean, I, I worked uh, at uh, the paedophile unit until '98. Right. Okay. Um, um, so yeah, the internet was uh, was was becoming a problem. I mean, mm-hmm. it it wasn't a problem that we hit up against. Yeah, right. uh, because I wasn't the only technically incompetent person um, yeah. de- dealing with it. So we didn't really know. You know, the internet was a sort of uh, a brand new thing, a weird thing. Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you, Tim. Ber- Thank you, Tim Berners Lee. <laughs> yeah, well, he, I think he's more or less said that if he could turn the clock back, he would have. He would uninvent the internet, doesn't he? I'm not sure if I'm quoting that correctly, but I think he yeah. more yeah, or less I mean, said I... that that he never in his wildest dreams did he imagine that it would have turned into the sort of cess exactly. that it has, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've I've met him a couple. I worked when I left the job, I, I, I worked uh, for the Missing Persons, National Missing Persons Bureau, and um, right. Conway Berners Lee, Tim's father, was 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 working for us. Right. As a volunteer. So I met I met Tim a couple of times. Yeah, I mean the internet was designed for universities to be in touch with each other at one time, wasn't it? Yeah. Basically, and yeah, it yeah. sort of got perverted. But, yeah, 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 in more ways than one. So, um, yeah. so, so the so the paedophile unit then presumably um, they did they were they were they were doing a lot more than investigating child abuse imagery. Presumably, were they investigating organised? paedophile activity so to speak yeah that was one of our roommates i mean you've um there's been this long-running inquiry into Mm -hmm. uh historical child abuse that 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 has come on top and is being invested you know and, and people have been uh, accused i mean mm-hmm. high-ranking people have been accused yeah. and and the evidence wasn't there, but one, mm. well, the beginning of that job was a job that I dealt with, um, right. and it expanded from there. Right. So, so uh, most, so the jobs that you were involved in um, would be fair to say back in those days were were not these kind of um, high profile cases that ultimately came to nothing. I, but we're talking that the jobs that you're involved in ultimately were. Were proper proper paedophiles committing serious offences? Then, yeah, um, I have to be careful what I say here. Yeah. Um, 
the start of the the start of the jobs that have been pretty widely criticised lately. Mm. Um, a lot of people have been um, targeted. A lot of police officers have, have been targeted because mm. of the way it was dealt with. And, yeah. Um, the, the job, the I. My colleague and I started the job back in, um, I don't know, early 80s, I suppose, or mm. no, sorry, early 90s, mm-hmm. um, which was Operation Clarence, mm. of all things, which was which was the start of this whole big yeah. um, web of people, of uh, yeah. consequential people. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. It, yeah. it was it was there were po- and there were politicians involved there's no yeah. doubt about that yeah in my mind so it's probably better that we steer away from all of that stuff because it's such yeah, a yeah. It's, uh, it's, so, such yeah. a, it's it's such a um you know controversial issue and it's also subject to uh, an ongoing as you say an ongoing inquiry uh and that you know it's just not worth uh even going there because there's there's greater greater minds than mine uh, who are focused on that at the moment so let's talk about um if if it's possible to even just talk about a sort of a typical sort of pedophile type job that you would have been involved in back in in those days what what are those where did the information where would the information come from how did you how did you go about investigating those sorts of individuals and uh, and 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 also you know we'll come on and maybe talk a little bit about what your general thoughts are around some of the people who you actually dealt with um you know if you mm. can come to any sort of conclusions about some of the common common themes that you saw you know the type of personalities you know that you dealt with so let's talk about let's talk about how how you did how you actually dealt with those jobs back in those days how how did they typically start well, typically they started from the from a seizure on a on a warrant, seizure on a warrant, and and uh, and child abuse images being found, right. and then the, the the issue was identifying the children primarily, yeah. and then identifying the offenders. But back in the back in the early nineties, we were I think we were basically the only people in Britain dealing with this sort of thing. Mm. So we get phone calls from Manchester, phone calls from wherever saying, look, we've we've seized this tape. We don't know what to do with it. So yeah. we, we used to get the job like that, a job like that, and then take it forward. Right. Um it, it was a it's it was a mishmash. It was yeah nothing nothing formalized yeah. because it was so so early for the police dealing with um dealing with this sort of thing that nothing was formalized yeah yeah. so yeah. we were making our own making yeah. our own not rules but making our own yeah methods of operation yeah no but, I, yeah. I, I get that yeah because obviously today and you know we'll talk about this in another episode but today there's very very well established um structures and, and procedures and and t- dedicated teams and all sorts of technology and all sorts of expertise um you know um focused on all of this but but yeah it's really interesting to consider that back in the days when you're talking about really no one in the uk apart from yourselves was even looking at this stuff were you no that that's that's right i mean it was the early days of child protection teams as well yeah um so we we dealt a lot with child protection yeah is because if we identify, I mean, we were all trained in uh, obtaining best evidence from a, from a child from a child victim, but 
we dealt with child protection teams because they, they were the real experts. Yeah. Um, frankly. So, so hypothetically, let's, was, let's, I think let's say hypothetically a child makes a disclosure to um, teacher or mum or whatever, and it turns out that um, that child has been sexually abused by an individual who then becomes linked to a number of other cases. Back in those days, who would have taken that job? Would that job have been owned by a child protection team, or would that have been job have been owned by you guys? It would have been it would have been a, a 50-50 sort of split. The, the, the child protection team would deal brilliantly, by the way, because they're brilliant people, deal brilliantly yeah. with the with the with the victims. Yeah. Um, but they didn't have the the remit right. um, to deal with anything much further right so so the jobs used to come to us and we used to to deal with spin-offs you know yeah. if, if there was a pedophile ring if you like then that was out that was up to us to investigate right so okay. i'm so i'm sure it's much more formal uh, formalized now yeah uh, well, so much of it, so much of it today is driven by technology. I mean, obviously, there's there's still a a very much a, a live, you know, there's a live and ongoing hands-on sexual abuse taking place behind closed doors all over the place. Um, but, mm. but yeah, but but yeah, certainly there's a there's a lot. Of technology plays a big part in it now, and and in those jobs, you know. I'm not, not sure if it's even possible to to say this because you could, I suppose, you could say, well, how long's a piece of string, but. Um, Having dealt with all of the paedophiles that you dealt with over those years, and I'm sure you dealt with a lot, um, what what sort of conclusions, if any, did you come to around those individuals? Could you sort of could you draw any sort of common themes about about them, their mindset, their behaviours? Yeah, I mean, they they every paedophile I ever dealt with it found a way of of. Um, lowering um his personal inhibitions i mean people say that the last the the the, the last taboo in society is abusing your children um and but pedophiles used to find ways of making it okay for them but in the in their own minds whether yeah. they used pornography to say hey you know everybody's doing it and and they did i've heard you know yeah. arrested pedophiles just said well look this is common stuff you know what, what? What have I done wrong? So um, others used alcohol, others mm. used drugs, um, but they all somehow found a way of overcoming personal uh, human inhibitions. Yeah, um, yeah. However, they did it. A lot, of, a lot of it was pornography. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do, do. I do. I think. I mean, if, if you're going to ask if if I think a paedophile is curable, uh, no, I don't. Mm -hmm. um, we did a lot of work with the with the Grace One in Institute in Birmingham, run by Ray Wire and various people, yeah. and we, we interviewed pe uh, uh, paedophiles there. Mm -hmm. um, not evidentially, but uh, they they were there for intelligence treatment. purposes. Yeah. Well, no, they were there for treatment. Oh yeah, they've yeah, been yeah. they've been sent there by the courts or even self self referred some of them, mm -hmm. um, but they. I spoke to one paedophile who abused a huge number of children, and he said, look, all the people in here um, are paedophiles. They're hands-on paedophiles. If they haven't already 
abused a child, they're seriously thinking about it and planning it. Yeah. Uh, and is that curable? No, yeah. I don't. I don't think it is. I mean, yeah. people have tried electrotherapy. Uh, people have tried um, chemical castration mm-hmm. and actually physical castration. And I mean, mm-hmm. it, none of it works. Yeah, chemical yeah. castration is over overcome by other drugs. Yeah. Um, physical castration, well, it's not overcome, obviously, but you you, you tend yeah. to get a rather uh, vicious yeah. vicious person at the end of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, I, I don't think yeah. it's not what yeah, you no, ask. But and I, I would no, and I would agree. I would agree, certainly from my experience, I would agree with that. I think it's a it's a sexual preference, isn't it? And it's no different to having a sexual preference towards a. Um, to being gay or uh, exactly preference towards um, you know it's just something that seems to be hard, hardwired into certain individuals yeah, I mean yeah I mean, what, what, I, what I would say though is that um, from my experience the age of pedophiles or certainly those who are getting uh, identified and arrested is is falling has fallen significantly in sort of the last 10 to 15 yeah. years and there's certainly uh, a lot more very young men uh, probably sort of mid to late teens who are now uh, exhibiting the sort of behaviors that you might have expected from sort of older men and and I think the yeah availability of of that those images and videos on the internet and is is has definitely I think maybe um I don't even know. I'm not a psychologist, but it seems to me that that, that has sort of awakened uh, an interest in certain individuals that that may not have yeah. ever come to the fore had it not been for that sort of stuff on the internet. Yeah, I mean, I I, I I agree with your your assessment of the ages. We were dealing with white middle class guy, older guys. 50 60 and on and on yeah uh, we weren't dealing with youngsters virtually no youngsters the youngsters that we dealt with if they were offenders mm. uh had had also been uh survivors of abuse themselves yeah. so yeah. they'd gone from being being survivors of abuse to offending mm. now you know but i think there's there's a there is, I mean, you use the term hardwiring, and I think, yeah, there's a, it's hardwiring. I don't yeah. think it's, I don't think it's learned behaviour. Yeah. yeah, I mean, people, you know, but you equate it, you, you kind of equated it with homosexuality back in the day. I mean, what? Bear in mind when I started doing this work. And by the way, just on that one, I don't want to try and for a moment <laughs> equate being gay with being a paedophile. I'm not the point I was making. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. No. Well, yeah, point, no, just for anybody was, listening to this, the, the point I was making was that it's it's uh, you know you can't help who you're sexually attracted to. That's the point I was exactly making. That. You know. So did you come across yeah. many um, individuals? I mean, because certainly I did when I was doing the, all of this, who had clearly made a career choice. Um, in order to access, gain access to children. Um, so that's people, we would describe that today as people in positions of trust. So you're talking about yeah. te- teachers, doctors, um, yeah. sports coaches, you know, these yeah. people who who think, you know, well, who know, who know that by a particular choice of career, that will that will open opportunities to them to sexually abuse children. Yeah. And that, and that yeah. is almost exclusively the reason why they chose that career. 
Yeah, I think I think that's right. I mean, people, Peter, for, for people with interest in uh, children in that way, take the opportunity to get into places and and occupations where they can meet children. I mean, yeah. I, I I I dealt with. I mean, I don't know if I can use. I can name someone, but he's dead. Can I name someone? Yeah, go or on. not? Yeah, I think so. If he's dead. Uh, well, yeah. Although saying that, I don't know. I can always edit this out. So if it's if it's if I if okay. I if well, I we... if I collapse off my chair, and I'll probably edit it out afterwards. But if if not, I'll yeah. keep it in. Okay. Well, one of the first people that we were, that we dealt with in Operation Clarence was Peter Wrighton. Now, Peter Wrighton was then uh, extremely high in the social services world of yeah. of, of children. Um, um, and through him, we dealt with uh, a doctor who was mm. uh, the expert then on uh, traumatised children in in Ireland, traumatised by IRA bomb. You know, and mm, it, it yeah. spread. We dealt with yeah. yeah. And um, were they were they subjected the, the, to, to, to sort of judicial? Were they did they go to court and and um, get convicted? Enormously difficult to get them to court. We get, you know, there, there were several that we did get to court and who got convicted. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, but Wrighton, for instance, I mean, he was he was quite happy to admit to me that he he'd abused a huge number of thirteen year old, twelve and thirteen year old boys, mm -hmm. um, but he wouldn't admit to that in a way that was used usable evidentially. Right. Okay. Um, and, and there's no doubt that he had, mm -hmm. um, but we could we couldn't. Ever use that that information? All, all we could do with that was to say to, to the social social services over the place who he was advising, you might want to think rethink this. Yeah. You know, you might be you might this have is, the wrong guy here. This is yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we got people to court. Yeah, yeah. And um, we got pe people, people like and... people like people like Savile. What's your thoughts on someone like Jimmy Savile, who who we all know now is was a uh, a really uh, devious and evil sexual predator with, you yeah. know, sexual interests that sort of spanned almost any age, any sex, any, you know, he was just, no matter whether it was a child, whether it was an elderly person, almost regardless. He, yeah. What, what, yeah. How, do you, how do you think someone like Savile managed to maintain, um, pull the wool over her eyes for such a long time? Uh, it's incredible. I find it incredible, but but you know, you you look at the guy, or you looked at the guy. Would you have ever thought of it? He he was, as you say, he was a, a charming sort of guy. That was his persona, mm. and that's how he that's how he got away with it. And mm. nobody nobody would have looked at Jimmy Savile, I don't think, uh, and said oh, pedophile or even even um, sex abuser, adult sex abuser. Mm. It, mm. Yeah, you know, he's one of the uh, one of the people that really really did get away with it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I think I think that has that came as such a shock to so many people, hasn't it? And I mean, I think for those of us who worked in uh, child abuse uh, for for a long time, it didn't really come as that much of a shock because not not because we suspected what he was about, but it was more about you know, we had dealt with so many people over the years who were very charming or plausible or respectable in inverted commas. And, yeah. and, um, 
Uh, and we know, you know, and this is what frustrates me about being a police officer sometimes and frustrates me about how naive so many people are. And, uh, you know, particularly you look at people in the press, they 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 give the police a hard time, such a hard time, don't they? Um, yeah. And yet we, we know that very often things are not as they appear to be. Isn't that right? Yeah, I, yeah, I agree entirely. I agree entirely. The, I mean, it's it's such a common thing. I mean, we we, we dealt with I mean, we arrested priests, um, and, and the parents of, of of the abused children would say, "Well, no, I don't I don't believe it." You know, mm. Father So and So, he's such a nice guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean. You know, we That's talk about the grooming process has been so successful I, there, hasn't it? That yeah, uh, I, they... I, I was just, just about to say that people like Savile, they groomed the children, but they also groomed their environment. They they groomed yeah. everybody in their environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they they were just, you yeah. know, and he was just. Do... And I'm going to do a, a sort of a 20 minute, half an hour podcast, just just talk about the grooming process, because I think it's really important for people to understand what how grooming works. Um, yeah, because it's such a, um, you know, they put so much thought and effort into that grooming process. And it's in, and it's infinitely flexible depending on who is the object of the, the grooming process, isn't it? And um, yeah, uh, people don't understand how grooming works, which is how they, exactly how they get away with it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if you translated um, a paedophile like that into the, a conventional um, adult world, he'd be the, he or she would be the greatest lover in the world, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So good at getting part, partners, you know. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but they're, yeah. they're, 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 they're grooming. Yeah. Um, Savile was definitely grooming, and part of his grooming was his persona. That's right. I mean, he groomed so, his environment. Yeah, that's good. So in terms, of, in terms of the kind of welfare side of things, because obviously that's kind of a big issue now for police officers working in this arena, um, I've got my own views about that, which I've talked about in another podcast where they kind of go through the motions of looking after your welfare, uh, psychological welfare. Mm. But but actually, it's not much use because, you know, they they, for example, when I was a child abuse DI, you know, the, the psychologist used to cut the nurse, the psychiatric nurse used to come along and interview my whole team and used to interview me. And she used to then say, oh, your team are all cracking up. Uh, they're just all very stressed out. Uh, they're very upset with what they're having to deal with all the time. Uh, and I think you're mm. so it's showing real signs of stress. Uh, and I'd say, yes, uh, thanks. No shit, Sherlock. Uh, we're all really super stressed. So what are you actually going to do about that? And then, of course, the answer to that was, well, absolutely nothing whatsoever. Um, so how, mm. in, back in the day when you were doing all of this kind of stuff, was there any consideration whatsoever given to the psychological impact of what you were doing? Well, the, there was, uh, and theoretically, we were supposed to get uh, counselling regularly from from the job mm. which we didn't get mm. we, we we didn't get we, we, my my view then was i mean i i did round figures 10 years of dealing with uh, child abuse yeah uh, and pedophiles and that's that's way too long yeah. that that's my opinion now that's way yeah. too yeah. um all right you move people on you lose lose the expertise but yeah. you, 
some of the expertise, but other people will come up and deal with that. So, I, I mean, I was uh, myself, uh, I mean, colleagues of mine suffer now from PTSD. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no doubt in my mind whatsoever they're suffering from PTSD from the the trauma of the images mm-hmm. that they've seen and, and the trauma. If you were on a child, if you ran a child protection team, mm-hmm. some of the things that you hear, yeah, I mean, uh, horrendous. Yeah, I know, you know? I know, um, I know, and certainly some of the there, stuff, there some is... of the stuff that I, um, I would say, there's, there's certain things that still trouble me periodically today. I mean, when I say trouble me, I just, you know, when I, I sort of, you sort of push them down to the back of your mind don't you when they pop up in your head you push them away um yeah, yeah certainly some of the videos uh, that i had to watch as a di in that in that world um yeah and and as you say these then the signs were you know pain and all of this kind of very very disturbing um probably worse than actually watching the images was was the listening to it and um um yeah, yeah. and so so um I don't know. I, I suppose that's maybe just something that across that we all have to bear maybe for the rest of our lives. Because if, if you're going to deal with it, this stuff, I'm not sure there is any. I don't know. Is there is there any way of dealing with this kind of stuff without without kind of becoming a psychological casualty? I don't know. Is there? I don't think there I, is. I, I don't think there is, because if you can avoid being a, 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 a psychological victim of what you're dealing with, you you. You, you're not dealing with it the right way because you've got well, no. You've lost your humanity, haven't you? Probably. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you, I mean, I talk about PTSD. There's one particular image that that now and again comes into my head when I'm lying in bed trying to sleep. Yeah. One particular image of probably a a two year old girl being very badly sexually assaulted without yeah. going any further into that yeah, but yeah. by the time we got that image she was 20 probably 25 we never identified her dutch right. girl um mm. but, but her image is still with me and it, mm. i mean i'm not interviewing you but yeah. you're you know you, you you know what you're talking about it, yeah. it, it doesn't go away no, but if it, it did no. go away if it did mm. go away You'd have to look at yourself and say, "What sort of person have I yeah, become?" Yeah, that, that I can normalize or, or, or even try to normalize yeah. this sort of thing. Yeah, well, I don't know how people who do that job day in and day out, you know, who do who deal in the who work in this sort of digital forensics world, who who kind of uh, sit looking at this stuff all day long. I just do not know how they do it. But the reality is that someone has to, don't they? And um, and I'm, as I say, I'm just not sure that I'm not sure that there's any way of of protecting people really i think you've just got to you can offer them support but ultimately that stuff is in is going to be in your head for the rest of your life isn't it i think so yeah i mean i you know hmm. could i would i like to get rid of this little kid's image from my brain now and again yes i would but then hmm. you know she had to suffer it so i could suffer hmm. <laughs> you know hmm. i can suffer having to think about it now and again you know that's yeah. that's the way i rationally yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I, I don't see a way of uh, of mm. dealing with that. I, I I think I I told you my uh, daughter-in-law is running the unit at the yard at the moment. That that's students. right. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's sort of a interesting. Um, was that is that just pure coincidence that that she's running that unit? Absolutely, now? absolutely pure coincidence. Yeah. Gosh. Absolutely pure coincidence. Mm. Um, but you know, so she she has the same. She's 
obviously got the same issues with her staff, her people mm. that mm. you have with yours. You know, mm. are they becoming traumatized by it? Yeah. How how does she deal with it? You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's not it's, good, is it? But um, it's not good. But then, but then I do think there's something. Being, I do think there's something there that's very important about um, psychologists. Will often say when it comes to trauma that one of the best things to do about it is to talk about it and um, don't sort of, you know, bottle it up. So, so probably talking about it uh, in in this way is 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 got to be positive, I suppose, because you know I'd, I'm not sure that. Um, you know, there's other things that we all dealt with as well in the cops. And this is what this is half the reason why I wrote the book um, and, and doing the podcast is because I think the police are getting mm. a really, really hard time at the moment. And and I don't think anyone, the public or the certainly not the media and certainly not politicians, I don't think they understand even a tenth of what police officers have to deal with day in and day out. And I think if they did understand that and, and had a bit more empathy for it, whether that's going to horrific road traffic collision where someone's head's missing um yeah and i mean i remember literally hunting through fields looking for a mo motorcyclist's head that was still inside yeah. inside the helmet you know what i mean this kind of stuff and i've got another friend yeah. who who spent after a bomb explosion spent days picking bits of people out of the trees for god's sake you know what i mean yeah so yeah i think before people run around with their a cab posters uh placards at demonstrations they might want to think about things like that but anyway, yeah. we're not um, going to solve that. But, but they, they, don't, they don't think about it because police officers get on with the job and do it. Whether they do it the same way as I used to do it or you used to do it, I don't know. But they still get on with the job and do it. If you yeah. have to deal with something, you deal with it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, politicians and lots of members of the general public just accept that, well, you know, you joined you joined up for to do something so go ahead yeah yeah and i would yeah. agree i think i think you know i don't i don't complain about it because i think that's what i joined to do but i do think um you know when people when you're doing that job the least that you can expect from your political masters and from the media is that they at least try and show a little bit of empathy from time to time yeah, that would be nice if that was the least you expect. But I think you and I are realistic enough to think, well, I'm not going to hold my breath waiting for that. No, you know? no, definitely not. Listen, Dave, um, I think that's probably a natural point just to wrap it up. Can I just say I'm so, so grateful to you for um, coming on and talking to me. It's been really fascinating. And, you know, I've learned a lot about the way things were done back in the day and, you know, it's, and I think when this one comes together with the next one, which we'll talk about how we do things sort of more currently, it's going to be a really, really interesting sort of journey to sort of see how it all yeah. changed yeah. over the years. But um, but thanks if ever so could, much. Okay, if you could uh, give me, you know, not now, but send me links to the, the various podcasts. I'm, yes. I, you know, I'm sort of on the outer edge of the universe out here. Um <laughs> If the generator goes down, we don't have any internet at all. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, you can get your uh, get your grandson he, as he expertly uh, helps you with the Zoom yeah. thing at the start. I'm sure yeah. he'll get you yeah. uh, get you sorted out. But I would I would be grateful for you know for the links. I'd like to yes to this and, and your next one in particular. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, no, I'd be delighted I'll, to. I'll wish you well. Oh, bless you, and I wish you well. And you take you look out for those grizzly bears and make sure they don't kind of, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I drink enough red wine and eat enough garlic. Yeah, can it spit, spit you out with you with the... <laughs> Listen, listen, right. my friend. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks ever so much. So there you go. The very wonderful and fascinating Dave Flanagan enjoying his life, wrestling with grizzly bears, uh, chopping down trees and uh, doing lots of manly things, I'm sure, in Alaska. So the key takeaways for me from that interview were that things have just come on so much in the time since Dave was doing this kind of work. The technology obviously has come on leaps and bounds, the impact of the internet, and we'll talk about that in the next episode, uh, but, but that's been a massive driver of this sort of behaviour in terms of reinforcing uh, the deep-seated motivations that people have and kind of validating them almost, uh, as well as offering opportunities for paedophiles to network and kind of meet like-minded people online, opportunities to groom children online uh, on all of these things. But back in the days that Dave was talking about, really it was really incredibly crude I suppose and uh, it's very obvious why so many people were able to continue offending for as long as they as they did because just the understanding of all of this stuff just wasn't really there I don't think compared to today and the very fact that they were the only kind of dedicated unit in the whole of the country that was doing this stuff really speaks volumes because every single force in the country, so all 43 forces in the in England and Wales and uh, Police Scotland and Police Service of Northern Ireland and all the smaller ones like, you know, Isles of Jersey and Guernsey and Isle of Man and all of these places, they've all got dedicated teams now that look at this stuff, thank God. And in the next episode, I'll be bringing this whole thing right up to, to date, really, in terms of how we deal with it today. So I'll be talking a little bit about how we investigate sexual offences against kids and I'll also be interviewing Arthur McHugh who was my sex offender manager, one of my sex offender managers when I was a detective inspector in a public protection unit in Birmingham uh, and Arthur will describe you know the very comprehensive ways that sex offenders are managed in the community. Okay, I'll leave it with you there. Speak to you soon. Once we had a policeman, he was often in our street. We used to smile and wave at him while walking on his beat. But now we never see him, it really makes us frown. No longer do we feel that we're the safest street in town. Oh. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.